Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, Jim Nance, thanks for the intro there. Good stuff. Big week, everybody. Start of the playoffs. FedEx got playoffs here, 2020. And look at these players, top 10. There's some really good names here. Number one, Justin Thomas going in here as we start the Northern Trust, of course, at TPC Boston this week. We got Colin Morikawa coming off PGA Championship. He's number two. Webb Simpson, number three. Bryson DeChambeau, number four. Sungjae Amit, number five. Remember, you want to get in that top five as you get into East Lake in a couple weeks. And then Patrick Reed, number six. He's been knocking on the door. And Daniel Berger, number seven, a, a name that really kind of jumps out to me. Number eight, Roy McIlroy. Number nine, Brendan Todd, who's been a very consistent player throughout this wraparound season. And then number 10, John Rahm. Of course, he's the number one player in the world. So he was talking yeah, in his press conference earlier this week about really trying to get into position and trend himself into the Tour Championship. He said he struggled in, in that position or getting deep into the playoffs before with his form. So we'll see how he does. But who, who do you guys think? Who do you guys like as we look at the FedEx Cup playoffs? I mean, I, I as I just mentioned, number seven, Daniel Berger, I am so impressed with the way he's played. And just think about his self-confidence. I think that's the biggest thing with him. I asked his college coach during the PGA Championship. Remember, he made a good run in that PGA Championship. I asked him, what is his biggest strength? And we went back to the college days when uh, Trey Jones over at Florida State was coaching him. And he had said that, hey, he wasn't just talking about winning majors and winning big events back in his college days. He was talking about winning, not just contending. He was talking about winning. So I thought that was a huge sign that obviously from a young age, this guy was wanting to win right away. And we see his self-confidence. And look how well he played in those first two days of the PGA Championship right there in the mix couple shots out of it and in the end maybe not quite the finish he would have wanted I think he was just inside the top 15 but still very solid week and he's my guy I'm gonna go with with Berger to be the guy to win the FedEx Cup I like his style of play I like his shots gained since the restart has there been a, a more of a red hot player who's been on fire than him I mean of course winning the first event beating Morikawa in a playoff was pretty big but as we saw on Twitter, Will Gray Golf Channel, GC, um, had said that Daniel, Ber Daniel Berger leads in shots gained total since the break, right? Since this restart as we gotten going here. And then is 18th or better in every shots gained category. I mean, look out. He's the guy to beat, in my opinion. I know he's starting the playoffs at number seven, but I think he plays his way into the top five and will be the guy to beat as we get to East Lake for the final week at the Tour Championship. I mean, there's some other players, of course. I mean, I, who do you like? I mean, is it Rory McIlroy? He's number eight. He's going to have to play his way into the top five. I was a little concerned. I tweeted uh, yesterday about Rory and how he's 
thinking about his game. He says, uh, technique-wise and practice-wise, his game is not where it wants, he wants it to be. And he said he feels like he sounds like a broken record. Hey, he's been saying that for a while. So so there's a little concern out of, out of Rory as he gets into these playoffs. He's not quite where he wants to be. Uh, Webb Simpson, of course, has been trending. Look at, you want to talk about red-hot players since the restart. Number three as he enters the playoffs here. He's been very consistent. Of course, getting that win at RBC Heritage. Very impressive player. I know he doesn't have the distance, so as we get into these longer courses, it may play into, you know, as we see TPC Boston this week, Olympia Fields next week, and then, of course, um, he may be giving shots back to some of the players there. But still, he, he knows how to he knows how to manage his game. So look out for him. Of course, Mark Cowboy's got so much momentum and so much confidence. Justin Thomas has won in Boston, even a couple years ago, three years ago, I should say, he won in Boston. So look out for, for JT. And Bryson DeChambeau at number four, I think we have to look out for him because the last guy to win at Olympia Fields in any major golf event of any sort was the USAM under 2015. Bryson DeChambeau took that trophy, right? So uh, he's got good experience for next week. And of course, this week, uh, he won here two years ago at TPC Boston when it was a Dell Technologies event. So he's in position to really trend and and get some, I mean, maybe take the number one lead and, and run with it. Who knows? But Bryson is a dangerous player at this point in the season. Anybody else stick out to you? You can, of course, let me know on Twitter at Johnston Garrett, at, on Instagram as well, at Garrett Johnston Golf. But yeah, let's get more into this discussion. Any outliers out there outside the top 10 that we want to look at? Of course, Mark Leishman at number 14. He won in Chicago a couple years back. So it's not at the same course exactly, but but still, Mark is, is a big game hunter. He plays well. Dustin Johnson, number 15, he had won the BMW a couple times. Uh, I remember 2016, I was out there when he won in Chicago. And then, um, gosh, I want to say the weather delayed 2010, right? After he had all those heartbreaks in majors that summer, the U.S. Open. And then in the PGA Championship, he, of course, had the bunker issue, uh, bunker gate, some people joke about. But yeah, I mean, that was... That was a pretty impressive win for DJ to still win on top of all of that negative energy, negative momentum that he had racked up in the summer. So keep an eye on DJ at number 15. What else could he do? So that's what we're looking at here when we look at the top players in the playoffs. Of course, and of course, my guest, Zach Blair, was just a couple hours away from teeing off in the first round of his playoffs, getting his playoffs started, joined me, and he's number 106. So he's definitely an outlier. Yeah, definitely an outlier as he goes in. But he's been in this position before. He was number 106 as a rookie in 2015 entering the Barclays. Right? It was when there was four playoff events. Now there's three. And he top forward that week. Jason Day ran away with that title. But he top forward, and that got him into all the way into Chicago, but played well enough to get into the third event. So, hey, he's, he's performed uh, from this spot in the standings. So we'll see. He's going to need, I talked to the tour yesterday, he's going to need to be solo 12th or better to get to the next round if he wants to go on to Chicago to Olympia Fields. So we'll see how he does, uh, but really enjoy the interview here. I think you're going to like new fatherhood for him. He just had CB, uh, Charles, his son, about three weeks ago, him and Alicia. Um, they've got a, a young kid on their hands, so that's that, that's fun stuff. We get into fatherhood with Zach, and 
yeah, obviously there's there's so much more, so much uh, tips he gets into for us weekend hackers, what how we can get better, really fun stuff I think from from what from his range habits and what he does that we can kind of take for us and for our game. Um, but yeah, he definitely speaks to us about our putting and what we should be doing <laughs> to get better. So anyway, we'll get to it here. Uh, Zach Blair, my guest on Beyond the Clubhouse. Pleased to be joined by my next guest here on Beyond the Clubhouse podcast. We've got Zach Blair, PGA Tour player. Zach, what's going on today? How are you? Yeah, doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So listen, here you are. You're going to start the playoffs today. It's your 30th birthday. Happy birthday, by the way. Welcome to the Old Guys Club. And, <laughs> and, and you're working on a transaction for your dream, the Buck Club in Aiken, South Carolina, where it's going to be. But of course, you're, you're on the East Coast dealing with some banking issues, uh, getting that settled. Like, what, what, what's happening? What's the story there? I had to go do like a wire transfer to close on the property for the Buck Club. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. So it was like, it was the craziest day. We went you know, it was like a two hour drive. Um, so we figured we'd go to New Haven, get some pizza and, uh, got to the bank and the like branch manager was like, not okay with the transfer. She was like, I don't feel comfortable. Like it was this huge ordeal. Actually, we just got off the phone with like the head of Wells Fargo to get it done. But like the base, the, the branch manager basically like red flagged the account thinking that it was like some fraudulent situation and like told me like we couldn't do anything and like closing was today and i mean like we were on the hook to obviously lose like a lot of money so it was like a huge situation that la the whole day yesterday we were trying to deal with and uh it was glad to get it done so it was all good so now where are we at with the buck club so now it, what's the timeline looking like now that you've kind of got uh, some of the transactions started yeah so we got this cool piece of property um we have a little bit of money you know in the in the war chest still got to do a little bit of fundraising you know it's going to take uh, you know a few more million bucks to get it going but we're in a good spot and we're really excited to kind of see what happens and i mean the timeline's just kind of hopefully later this year, hopefully kind of moving some dirt in 2021. And uh, yeah, hopefully the thing's ready to roll in a couple of years. So it's pretty cool. You've got your logo, of course, everybody knows the Buck Club logo. You've been talking about this place, this dream uh, course for so long. Um, and even recently you tweeted about the finishing hole, about 18. You want it to be a drivable, gettable par four. I mean, how much are you thinking about this Buck Club? Yeah, I mean, it's a cool project that, you know, takes a lot of my time when I'm like kind of my downtime, right? You know, we sitting here in a hotel room, nothing to really do during quarantine. And as like a professional golfer, you kind of have a lot of that travel time or downtime that sometimes there's not much to do. But for me, it's kind of a cool outlet to not drive myself crazy sitting there watching, you know, Netflix for 12 hours. So it's uh it's fun you know it's something that i'm really passionate about and lucky enough to have a lot of people that support it and you know people that believe in it and it's going to be a cool spot awesome man yeah it's great to to be passionate about what you're working on and you, of course you got your golf game that you're dealing with too um you entered as a rookie in 2015 your playoffs remember you made it all the way to chicago that year made a yeah. good run but you entered at 106 on the yeah. FedEx Cup standing, where are you at right now? Yeah, 106? Yeah. Another, 
need another so, one of those weeks. That'd be good. Yeah. So, so, so what do you think about it as you enter these playoffs now? You've got to make a little bit of a move. Uh, I talked to the PGA Tour. They said you're going to have to finish uh, 12th, solo 12th or better to yeah. move on. What's kind of your, your thought process here? I mean, just go play good. You know, it's kind of a, it's been a weird year. Obviously, I felt like I was playing pretty good before the whole shutdown. Um, played okay, kind of once we got back going, but, you know, just kind of a little rusty. Still got to, you know, fix, fix a few things, clean up the rounds, you know, clean up the game in general. But, um, you know, just going to go out and play like I always do just go have fun, you know, try and make some birdies. And if I, if I have it this week, you know, I think I'll be fine. And if not, maybe go get a spend, spend a few more weeks with CB and the wife and the dogs and, you know, get ready for next year. Yeah. You mentioned CB, your, your brand new kid, uh, obviously three, almost three weeks old now. So a lot to look forward to. We'll get to, to CB in a, in a second here, but uh, I want to get to a listener question that's related to the playoffs as you get started here. Uh, Morgan Malone on Twitter, he's at golf and Mo. And he had said, he had asked you, what are you thinking in terms of aggressiveness? Do you get a little bit more aggressive knowing, Hey, you've got to make, make a move early on. You know, you've got to post a number, in these, in these, you know, two, three rounds here getting started. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Um, I don't think I've ever really had much success trying to, you know, change my game too much. I was talking to my dad about it this morning. I'm kind of a person that if I have it that week, you know, I feel like I'll play good and um, be right there. And if I don't, you know, sometimes I can kind of hang on, make the cut, have a decent week. But I, I've never been one of those guys that can just sit there and, you know, try and play more aggressive because all that really does for me is just put me in worse spots if I'm not kind of on my game. And if I'm on my game, I'll play good anyways. So just going to go out, see what I got. And, you know, I've always been able to usually pull stuff together when I need to. So hopefully I can have another one of those finishes like I did a few years back when I was 106 coming into the playoffs. And, uh, it would be fun to make a run and uh, take this thing pretty deep. So need a good week, like you said, and looking forward to it. Yeah, you made it all the way. I think it was Conway Farms that year in Chicago, 2015. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so deep run there. Winning score at TPC Boston, because remember it skipped last year. Winning score was 16 under when Bryson won a couple years ago. It was 17 under when JT won. What do you think about TPC Boston, the course, the the setup there? Do you think about those numbers too? Um, sometimes I, I hadn't, I didn't know, uh, what the winning scores were, but that's, that's a number that, you know, I feel comfortable with anything in that, like 15 under range. Um, I feel comfortable if I have a good week, I can kind of get, get in that ballpark. Um, when it starts getting those, you know, 20, 25 unders winning, I'm, I'm like, all right, like I can maybe go have a, a solid week and take a top 25, but that's a little, little much for me. Um, so I feel good. It's a course that I can get to a few of the par fives if it firms up a bit. Um, you know, the rough's not crazy, but it's like enough to, you know, there is a premium on hitting fairways, which I like. And, you know, the greens seem to be firming up a little bit and getting a little faster. We'll kind of see today over the next couple of days, but it's kind of the, still the same thing. It's like, if I go out and play good, you know, I feel like I can be right there. Yeah. Well, you've mentioned your dad, uh, James, of course, um, such a big in integral part of your team. 
what was it like as a younger kid seeing him? Yeah, I think he played in one about a little over 20 PGA Tour events in his time. Um, how, how encouraging was it to kind of see him play the pro game a little bit? And how much did it help shape you into where you are now? I mean, I got to go watch kind of in some PGA championships and he took me around when, you know, when he played kind of the state open circuit and, uh, you know, he let me caddy or, you know, ride in the cart and clean his clubs and his balls. But, uh, I mean, it was really cool, you know, just to be that close to the game from such a young age and see how good people are and see how good he is. And he was, um, it's been a nice, you know, it's been a nice person to have kind of in my corner Uh, growing up with him my whole life he's been my only coach Um, so it's definitely a little bit easier you know he can definitely kind of dissect things and help me out quicker than I think you know a normal player coach relationship you know goes so it's nice to have him and on my side for sure I don't know if the golf world knows anybody who plays more golf than you do. <laughs> of course, you played hundreds of rounds. Was it 500 rounds you played with your buddy, Denny Blount, over the years there in yeah. Utah? Yeah, we, uh, I mean, more than that, we we played a lot. We played a lot of golf, you know, in junior high and college. We played every day, basically. <laughs> so, so that's what I'm saying. Like, all these rounds you play, even in your downtime, you're playing so much golf. So as we talk about your dad and relationship – uh, now you're a new dad with your son. You mentioned CB, Charles. Uh, what is that going to be like for him as you introduce him to golf? We saw the picture on uh, on social with the golf clubs behind him recently. But, but how are you going to take this uh, strategy with him? Uh, probably the same way my dad did. He was really good, you know, never forced it on me. Um, but at the same time, you know, he strategically got me around the game a lot. You know, never pushed me to – you know, never made me go practice or made me go play, but he seemed to kind of put me in the right situations to make me kind of want to do those things. You know, I I was out traveling with him a lot. I was, at, you know, we lived on a couple of golf courses, um, you know, so I'll try and do the same thing. You know, I definitely would love to see him play golf. If he doesn't want to do that, you know, I'm definitely not going to make him, but uh, hopefully we'll put him in enough situations where he kind of gets the hint. <laughs> oh gosh, I'd imagine he would. Um, so, what is this, you know, per- perception versus reality with fatherhood? I mean, you're you're about three weeks in. What were you thinking it would be like? What's it really been like? I mean, I feel bad um, a little bit, you know, for my wife. She's done such an amazing job. Um, I obviously had to come out here, you know, about two or three weeks into the whole thing. So she's kind of stuck at home with my mom and you know her grandma who have been great but you know she's been awesome but um you know we're definitely two people who like our sleep a lot so it's definitely been a little bit of a transition kind of waking up every few hours to take care of the baby but uh you know we had a couple of dogs that you know trained us a little bit to to get used to it you know we had teddy who broke his leg when he was a little puppy so we had to break you know we had to wake up every couple of hours to take him out to go to the bathroom and stuff like that so it's been you know it's been an easier transition I think because of that but uh no it's been great um it's really cool you know people always tell you how it's like you know you can't really explain it you know all of a sudden you have this baby and it's like this uh just this whole nother level of love and that's kind of what it's been like and it's been really cool and I'm so happy for you know my wife and me to kind of 
get to take this journey and, you know, see what happens. Your wife, Alicia, of course, um, putting in a lot of hours right now with you on the road. You were yeah. there in Truckee, remember a couple of weeks back, as you kind of alluded to, or that tour stopped there yeah. uh, before you came back home. What's been the best p- uh, piece of advice you've gotten uh, for fatherhood? Um, probably just, you know, that you, you don't have to listen to everybody. <laughs> you know, everybody's kind of got their opinions on what you should do or how things should be done. And we've just kind of gone into this, like, look, you know, you know, no one's done this. No one does this perfect. No one, you know, knows exactly what to do in all these situations. So we're just trying to do the best we can and, you know, make sure that he's a nice kid and, you know, hopefully, hopefully he's a good golfer. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I bet. Uh, what about, obviously we're, we're in a pandemic right now with COVID going on what what's the challenge has been like i know you you haven't had a kid before covid but what has the challenge has been like you know in the hospital with with covid and and just kind of like raising a kid now during this time the hospital thing again i've never had a kid so i didn't really know what to expect or kind of how things worked but i mean it was really basically just me and one other nurse kind of in there doing the whole thing with my wife you know the doctor came in periodically but um you know, so that was a little bit different, I think, than how things usually work. And then I think the whole pregnancy in general, um, you know, my wife not really being able to do anything except be home, you know, at least she got to rest and chill and, you know, be at her house. But, you know, she didn't get to do the things that, you know, we would have normally been doing traveling the world and, you know, seeing her friends and being able to go out and eat at her favorite restaurants and kind of, you know, being able to show off her pregnancy, right? And being able to kind of feel that love from everyone that you usually see. So, you know, my family was great and her family was great. And it it was definitely kind of a little bit different. Um, But, you know, we made it here healthy and, you know, she's, she's ready to roll. I know she's excited to kind of get back out and travel and, um, hopefully everything starts getting a little better. Oh, hopefully. Yeah. For everybody, man. Um, and you, of course, your son would have had a birthday about three weeks ago. You are having your 30th birthday today. You're in the old guys club. What does it feel (laughs) like? 30 years old, Zach Blair. Can you believe it? Yeah, not really. I mean, honestly, it's pretty wild. I mean, I can, feel like I can remember, you know, slept in school to go, you know, golf with some of my friends back in high school. <laughs> so you know, I feel like that was just a few years ago, but yeah, now kind of a little, little different, you know, but lucky to be playing golf professionally out on the PGA tour and have a healthy family and a nice place to live. And, you know, life's pretty good. So, you know, pretty lucky. How, how are you going to celebrate uh, today? Any, anything uh, post round? Cause you're, you're going to tee off in about two, two and a half hours here for the first round, but anything after that? I mean, it's, it's tough again, you know, we're not really, you know, we don't really get to go out to any restaurants or anything, you know, maybe pick up some food to go. Like I said, we just closed on that piece of property. So that's a pretty cool birthday present. And, you know, like I, uh, we got, you know, new kid in the world and everything like that. So those, those few things are, you know, good enough for me. Uh, so those are some good things to start with, man. Uh, I'm going to go rapid fire with you for a minute here. Uh, favorite three public courses right now in America? Uh, Pasa Tiempo, Pinehurst, and man, maybe Pebble Beach. Yeah, you, obviously they're all public. You, all, you can all get on there. Uh, best, who are two of your favorite bands out there? 
I have no idea. Don't listen to too much music, so I couldn't even I couldn't even tell you two bands. <laughs> wow. So so nothing in your in your um your iPod at all? Nothing like in in the earbuds? Um honestly listen to kind of whatever my wife's listening to, you know, listen to whatever my dad's listening to. So kind of kind of anything from you know talk radio to kind of like house music and dance music rap kind of all, all that type of stuff just whatever is kind of on what about your movie your all-time uh, go-to movie here i like remember the titans a lot and kind of uh you know some of the new james bond movies um i'm a big like big time movie guy so I usually like that's something that I mean I usually go to like a couple of movies a week um, so that's been one thing during this whole pandemic that has kind of screwed up the whole you know the whole schedule when I'm out on the road especially like alone like I'll just go I'll just go alone to movies and not being able to do that kind of you know kind of screws everything up <laughs> well being that you're such a diehard movie guy who's your favorite actor that comes to mind I had Denzel Washington, probably. Remember the Titans, of course, the coach there, yeah. TC Williams there back in the day. Um, yeah. What about what about binge watched? Uh, when was the last show you you binge watched there on Netflix or on um, Prime? I'm like deep in the Sopranos right now. Uh, I had never never really seen it, and I had watched everything else on Netflix. So you know, hopped over to HBO Max, and you know, been watching that for the last little while. Nice. Um, what about your favorite post-round drink? Obviously not non-alcohol. Uh, probably just like a Dr. Pepper, uh, you know, get a little, you know, get, get a couple of Dr. Peppers in me, a uh, little birdie fuel. Uh, you know, I, I'll, periodically I'll go like where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to drink soda anymore. And it actually probably is worse because I'll do that for like a couple of months and then just totally, you know, binge and have like a couple a day. So I'm not really sure that when I go kind of like cut it off cold turkey, it really helps. Um, but I do enjoy like a nice Dr. Pepper. Definitely. And pardon the uh, garbage truck in my uh, front street here. And <laughs> you can hear in the background. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I hear you. Dr. Pepper is a classic. Um, as we go to the next part of the interview here, I want to get a little bit into pre-round routine. And when you look at like us amateurs, us weekend hackers, what do we need to work on more on the range? You know, I know maybe we have 10 minutes, maybe we have 20 minutes, but what should be kind of our, our focus on the range? You know, playing with some friends at home, the, the things that I normally see are either they come to the course, don't hit any balls and go out and like two or three holes in, you know, complaining about not being loose or they should have went and hit some balls. So like, even if you can just go hit like 20 balls, like 10, 20 balls, just to get loose, kind of, you feel where your swings at. I feel like that's, you know, obviously helpful. And then, you know, if you do have time to kind of, you know, go warm up or whatever, I personally think like your game kind of, you know, changes every day, you know, it's just a little different, you know, your grip might change a little bit, you know, just the way you're swinging, it could possibly change. So to just kind of see like the tendencies you have, you know, if you're on the range and you're kind of 
hitting a little bit of a cut or a little bit of a draw. I don't think it's anything that you need to really like worry about or change. You know, you can kind of just go out there and, and play that and kind of manage it a little better, especially if you know, you know, if you go down to the range and you hit for 20 minutes and you're hitting this little cut and you normally hit it straight or a little draw, I don't think you have to sit there and go like, I have to fix this. You can kind of sit there and say, all right, this is like how I'm, I'm playing today. I just have to realize that and kind of, you know, make sure that I'm not too worried about it and try and change anything. Cause I feel like when you, when you go out, especially as like, like not somebody that knows how to dissect your game and fix things on the fly. I feel like sometimes it's kind of hurts your game a lot more when you're sitting out there trying to give yourself kind of like a, like a swing overhaul on the third hole, then then nothing good kind of comes out of that. Yeah. Now we've all been there, man. Um, Well, you, you've said that just a little earlier that, kind of bit your swing changes a little bit every day as you get into that uh, routine your pre-round routine what is it like for you on the range as you kind of warm up and and adapt to that yeah like that's exactly like what I'm talking about like if I go out to the range today and I'm hitting a little like scrapey cut like I'm not gonna freak out and be like I gotta fix that I'm just gonna say like this is what I have today and you know go and play that um, that's how I've felt my whole life with everything in the game. You know, some days I hit it really good. Some days I hitting it really straight. Some days I have to kind of fight like a little bit of a fade. And I just have basically realized that from like a young age and, you know, from my dad helping me to just, you know, understand that, you know, the game kind of goes like this and some days it's really good and everything's timed up. Everything's really good. The game feels really easy. You don't have to think too much. And some days you are kind of fighting that little scrapey cut and, um, you know, you just have to play with it and understand that maybe you have to aim a little further left and just play it a little bit. How, um, how long is your range warm up usually, or I should say pre-round when it includes putting as well as chipping and bunkers? I would say I try and kind of get out there like 40 minutes before my tee time. Um, I like to get to the tee like at least eight, you know, eight, five to eight minutes before my tee time, just kind of sit there and, you know, it is a little bit too much probably to just sit there for five minutes, but you know, you got your phone, you can sit there and kill a little bit of time, but um, yeah, 40 minutes and it's always like a little too much, you know, but I'm always like so nervous that, you know, that I'm not going to be there on time. So I'm like sitting there and then I have to just sit there for a couple minutes and kill some time before I start hitting some balls and, you know, then go over and putt a little bit. Um, but you know, every couple of months, you know, it changes I might putt first and play good. And then I have to putt first the next couple of days, you know, I'm superstitious like that. And, uh, so I would say anywhere from yeah, right around 40 minutes is usually kind of the sweet spot for me. Dude, in comparison, I talked to a lot of pros about this. That is so much shorter than a ton of other guys. Like we're talking about Tony Finau, uh, Paul Casey, almost all the other guys I've talked to this is, you know, they're talking about an hour and five minutes, maybe an hour. Cameron champs at about an hour. Yeah. Um, you're, you're shorter, man. I mean, it just, it just works for you, huh? I am shorter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I've had success 
honestly being like a little shorter than that, like 30 minutes. But uh, like I said, I get a little nervous. If I get out there 30 minutes and something happens, like I have to go, you know, I forget something. It's like that 40 minutes gives me kind of that like 10 minutes of wiggle room where if I screw up somewhere that I can kind of catch back up. But um, yeah, everyone's different. It's obviously sometimes, you know, if it's really cold, it's different. I might need a little bit longer if, you know, I have to walk out to the 10th tee. So everything kind of changes a little bit week to week. And, and yeah, all the players are, you know, have their own thing that kind of works for them. But uh, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of what works for me. Hopefully it works today. (laughs) (laughs) For the playoffs. Absolutely. Um, Hey, so for us amateurs as weekend hacks, when we get into our pre-round routine, there's so much stress that's in our mind or obviously with bunker shots with chipping how do we best relieve that stress like just not worrying about it you know there's nothing (laughs) i don't think like uh nothing's really gonna fix like a major issue you know if you have like a major issue there's not like a range session you know a 10 minute warm-up session that's gonna fix anything major like yeah it can help you get loose or it can help you kind of see what you have that day But like, I mean, if you're all of a sudden, you know, you can't get out of a bunker, you know, it might take a little bit longer than a range session to figure that out. So honestly, I just like wouldn't worry about it too much. Go out there, see what you got, get loose and go tee it up. You know, you count it, count it how many times you hit it and do it all over again the next time you're out there. Yeah, for sure. And what about with putting? I mean, so obviously we're going to have more putts than anything else on on the on the the day when we get out there. But what's yeah. a good what's a good strategy just to to really get confidence on the greens for us? Like I think one of the most important things with putting is just fundamentals, making sure that you're kind of in the same position, you know, you're the same, you know, distance away from the ball you're kind of your eyes and your everything's kind of set up where you're supposed to be so I always try and go find like a chalk line you know every morning um, usually some guys have you know set one up or have done one in the practice rounds that you can go mess around on and just at least see kind of like okay this is where I'm aimed this is where the club is everything like that and that kind of gives you a good baseline because that's what everyone you know when you see all those tour players out on the putting green, you know, they got their mirrors out, they got their strings, the chalk line, whatever it may be. All they're trying to do is kind of get their baseline, everything zeroed out, make sure they're in the right position. So I I think that's a really good one, whether it's kind of that putting mirror where you can see if everything's lined up or a chalk line or a string, something like that to kind of get your fundamentals in the right spot and just kind of Another one is just, you know, maybe putt like some three, four footers and just see the ball going in kind of gives you a little bit of confidence of, all right, you know, the ball's going in the hole today and, you know, I can make a few out there. Yeah. I got to hear the bottom of the the sound of the bottom of the cup, man. I mean, that's some of us. I get pretty addicted to that sound, honestly. Like I'll sit there on the putting green and I'll, okay, this is the last one. And you know, you'll make one. I I've literally caught myself like, okay, I'll do one more, you know, and you hear that sound. So that's like a, that's a very therapeutic sound for me. So yeah, you definitely want to hear that thing going in. Definitely. Uh, we'll wrap up here in just a second. Um, do you ever, I have to ask you this. Do you ever look at the odds on you, the betting odds? Cause now the betting's legal with golf going into tournaments. I honestly, I don't think I have, I, you know, I've, I've had like friends, like, you know, 
say like, oh, you're, you know, 500 to one, like, oh, play good this week. And it's like, all right, sure. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> like, like I can really tell you if I'm going to play good this week. But uh, now I've never really paid much attention to it. I mean, I mean, they obviously probably aren't that good, you know, not being a top, you know, 100 or top 50 player in the world. You know, that's how that's how those things work. So uh, hopefully I can get some better odds in the next couple of years going forward and get playing pretty good. Definitely. Well, hey, one of the things I love about the game, the game of golf is the shared passion that so many of us have as we meet people from, you know, either from our home clubs or, or, or that we meet on the road. For you, like what have been some of the best friendships that you've made from the game of golf? I mean, like all of my friends, like so many of my friends that aren't from Utah, even my friends in Utah, but I mean, like all the guys that know laying up, Andy Johnson from the fried egg, um, like those are literally people that I met like on social media, just discussing golf or like wanting to meet up to go play golf, you know, going to take a trip or like, I'd never met those guys before, you know, I met them on the golf course. So, you know, it's like, those are really good friends of mine. I feel like that, you know, I wouldn't know if it weren't for golf. So it's pretty cool to kind of, you know, be able to, you know, see stuff like that and just the shared passion of a, of a game that that's brought some people together. So it's been pretty cool. Good stuff, Zach. Well, Hey man, thanks for joining me today. A couple hours before your probably one of the most important tea times of your year, buddy, but uh, appreciate you making the time and uh, hey, con- <clears throat> excuse me, congrats on uh, being a young father, man. That's, that's awesome stuff. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right, my thanks to my guest, Zach Blair, joining me here on the pod today. And yeah, just a couple hours before his tea time here, we were finished at what, 10.40, and he's off at one, like around one thirty. So just just under three hours before he tees off. So nice of him to take some time, uh, jump on the pod. Hey, best of luck to his buck club over there in Aiken, South Carolina, as he gets the wheels rolling on that. I know it's a huge passion project for him. But yeah. Here he goes in the playoffs again, 106. How's he going to do? He's going to need a huge week, top 12 or better, um, to get into the next round again to Chicago. So we'll see how he goes there. And, yeah, as we look at this uh, list, top 10, what do you guys think of the FedEx Cup standings as we look at Justin Thomas, number one, Colin Marikawa? With guys that really stick out to me, as I mentioned earlier, Bryson DeChambeau at number four, having won at Olympia Fields next week's venue. Uh, in 2015 in the U.S. Amateur. And then, of course, he had won here, the last player to win in TPC Boston because it wasn't in the rotation last year as part of this three-playoff schedule, three events. So he's – and, of course, he's got got momentum. I mean, you cannot knock him for not having momentum. So Bryson is one of my big guys. But, of course, Daniel Berger is my number one guy. He's coming at number seven, but he's got the self-confidence and he's been such an awesome player since the restart – Shots gained over everybody, really, the, the leader in shots gained overall. So keep an eye out for, for Daniel Berger. Who do you guys like as we go uh, the end of this podcast here? Tell me your thoughts. Uh, again, I'm on Twitter, at Johnston Garrett. Follow me on Facebook, Garrett Johnston. And then Beyond the Clubhouse is the page on Facebook. On Twitter, we've got Beyond Clubhouse, which you can go and check out as well. We've got video content was it as Andrew Shoffley from last or from earlier this week I should say and then Instagram is at Garrett Johnson Golf 
Appreciate the questions, Morgan Malone. Thanks for the question there about the playoff mentality for Zach. And yeah, always great connecting with you guys. And let's just keep it coming. Hope you enjoy this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. And we'll talk to you guys soon.